Hello and welcome to this episode of Entertainment Rebooted. Today, I will be sitting down with Logan and Hara to talk about our favorite childhood movies. But first, Elliot is going to be telling us about the most anticipated albums of the year 2022. And last, I will be giving you a quick review of the new movie, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So let's get right into it. With 2022 coming to an end, I really wanted to take a look at some of the biggest and most anticipated album releases this past year, and if I have some extra time at the end, share what I'm really looking forward to for next year. To start, I wanted to share what my personal most anticipated album release was, and that is Super 8 by Conan Gray. I've been a super big fan of his since his EP Sunset Season came out in 2018. He was my first concert, and back when tickets for Super 8 went on sale, I bought them for two different shows before I even heard the album just because I'd known from previous experience that he has a great stage presence and I was just very excited about the album. Um, I mean, I could talk about him and his music or any other albums I was personally really looking forward to for hours, but I thought it'd be fun to kind of switch gears a little bit and I put together a list of what I consider to be the top 20 most anticipated album releases of 2022. And before I start, I want to say that just because I'm putting an album on this list doesn't mean I think it's a good album or that I condone the artist. And just because I'm not putting an album on the list doesn't mean I think it's a bad album. It just may have not had as much hype as some of the other ones did. That being said, the first album on my list is the 23-track album Un Verano Sinti by Bad Bunny. Now, Bad Bunny teased this album back in January, and up until its release in May, it was everywhere online. Like, it opened up TikTok, I'd see things about Bad Bunny. Instagram, I'd see Bad Bunny. Twitter, same thing. Like, people were very excited for this album release and it definitely had a lot of hype and excitement around it. The second album on my list is Who Cares by Rex Orange County, and I want to just restate that just because I'm putting this album on the list doesn't mean I'm supporting him as a person, nor am I supporting or condoning what he's done, but this album was a very highly anticipated album release, and I know many, many people were really looking forward to it. He began teasing it back in 2020, and people have been looking forward to it for two years, so it was definitely a very big album drop. Now, in 18th place, I put Love Sucks by Avril Lavigne. Avril was talking about this album for quite a while before she actually released it, and I feel like a lot of people were really hoping for a return to her pop-punk roots following the 2019 album Head Above Water that people seemed to not like as well as some of her older stuff. This album had a very strong alternative style, which I appreciated, but I felt that following its release, people kind of stopped talking about it. Like, everyone was really excited and hype about it before it came out, and then I don't know if they just it wasn't what they expected, but I kind of didn't really hear much about it after it was released. That being said, it did still have a lot of excitement built around that release. My 17th place album is one that I and many of my friends were super excited about, and that album was Tell Me That It's Over by Wallows. Now, I loved their previous album, Nothing Happens, and when the first single of this album was released in September last year of 2021, I was pretty excited about it. I know that a lot of other people got really excited and the music kind of started to like gain a little bit of popularity. Um, I know some long-term fans were a little bit disappointed with the album. I I know that they could have done better, but I still don't think it was a bad album. I, I would say it was decent. Like I listened to it, I just wouldn't consider it in my top tens or anything like that. That being said though, it was very, like I've said with the rest of these, it was very highly anticipated. People were super excited about it. Now, the next album, on the other hand, is something that we have talked about on here before, and it's an album that I personally do not like, and that album is Viva Las Vengeance by Panic! at the Disco. I feel like my dislike of this album is 
a pretty commonly held belief. I mean, just a few weeks ago, Isabel, Matt, and Logan were talking about this album, and I pretty much agree with everything they said about it just not being very good. I don't know. That being said, that like it, we didn't like it. It was still there was still a lot of hype and excitement around a new Panic at the Disco album, and even though people may have not liked it that much, they were still really looking forward to its release. Turning from Viva Las Vengeance to a more positive note, for my 15th place album, I put Laurel Hell by Mitski. Now, I tried to put my personal bias aside while putting this list together because I love Mitski. Long-term fans of her have been waiting for this album for years, and I think it held up to standards. Her last album, not including Laurel Hell, was Be the Cowboy, which came out in 2018. So the long wait between the two albums really helped gain a lot of like hype and excitement around it, and I, I personally really enjoyed the album. The next album I put on my list is one that I feel the entirety of TikTok could not stop talking about. And honestly, I didn't expect to like it very much, and that album is Emails I Can't Send by Sabrina Carpenter. I, I will say I was pleasantly surprised with it. As with Wallows, it's not like it's not going to be a top album of the year or anything, but it was a lot. I enjoyed it a lot more than I expected I would, and I feel like her releasing three singles that all got big on TikTok really helped the popularity and excitement for this album build and keep going. Now moving on to my 13th place choice, I put Growing Up by Luke Combs. This is a country album. I'm not a huge country fan, so it just it wasn't for me, like just not my style. But I know a lot of my classmates were really excited for it and really did love this album. Just wasn't my personal thing, but people were still super excited about it. Coming in at 12th place is a song from an artist that I've heard a lot about on Twitter and from my friends in general. And I'm so sorry if I say her last name wrong, but that album is Rina Suwayami's Hold the Girl, or Hold That Girl, I'm sorry. And I recently listened to this album. I thought it was a pretty good listening experience. Like, I, it was a very fun album to listen to. I enjoyed it a lot. And I know that since she released her single in May, people have just been pretty much talking about this album nonstop. Now, my 11th place album is Crash by Charlie XCX. I've only heard a few songs from this album. I can't actually name any songs from it because I've just never really gotten into her. But if I'm remembering correctly, the lead single was released around the same time that her 2020 song Vroom Vroom was regaining popularity on TikTok. I think that was around like August, September. I don't remember the exact date it was released, but I know that it was released when she was already kind of popular on the app. So that really helped a lot of people want to listen to her and kind of find her and start listening to her music, which made this album a very anticipated release. Now moving on to the top tens, and the album I chose to put in 10th place is an album that many people may have not heard of, but I feel like they have a very large group of very vocal listeners, and if I'm, remember, if I'm remembering correctly, they were on the Rolling Stones top 100 album list like how most of these other ones were, but that album is Born Pink by Blackpink. This is a K-pop album, and if you've ever been on, like, Stan Twitter or anything, you'll you'll kind of know how K-pop fans are. They're very loud and very large, like, very large and vocal, which is not a bad thing. It really helps build hype and excitement around an album. Since whenever this album was released, people were just talking about it, talking about how good it would be, and were super, super excited about it. Coming in at ninth place, I put The Forever Story by Jid, this hip-hop album is a sequel to the 2017 album, The Never Story, and he began teasing this back in 2021 and released the lead single in January of this year. 
The album itself was released at the end of August, but throughout that entire month, he was kind of like slowly releasing things like album art, the track list, and another single, which really helped gain a lot of attention and excitement and build that anticipation and like want to get the final completed piece. My eighth place pick is an album that I actually only listened to while I was preparing for this, and that album is Dawn FM by The Weeknd. I never really got into The Weeknd that much, but I know so, so many people who are very big fans of him and his music, and it seems like people were just talking about Dawn FM all the time. Like, he'd announced it back in 2021, and I feel like following the announcement of it, people started listening to his old music again and just really getting excited for this album, and just building that anticipation and want to hear new music from him. Now, the album I put in seventh place is, it's an album that, I I actually didn't listen to it, it's just, it's Mainstream Sellout by Machine Gun Kelly. I have a lot of thoughts on MGK. I've never really been able to get into his music. I want to like it because he lived in Cleveland, and I'd love to like like somebody who was at one point local, but I just, it's, it's not for me, and that's perfectly fine. Like, I know a lot of people did enjoy it, and really were looking forward to it. Like in my stats class last year, probably half my class was talking about this album before it was released and they were trying to get tickets for the show and they were all really excited about it. And I mean, might not be, it might not be my thing, but I know all those people did really enjoy it. Um, moving on from that, we have a Spanish album that I actually just recently listened to and that is Motomami by Rosalia. I've heard people talk about her in the past, but not to the extent that I've heard them talk about this album. She released a few singles from this album that definitely helped it gain popularity, and I feel like where I heard about this the most was on Twitter. I Not a lot of my like friends in real life know or have listened to her, but it got very big on Twitter, at least I think, in the circles I'm in, and I saw a lot of people talking about the singles and talking about pre-saving the album and how excited they were for it. Now, moving on from Motomami, we are on what I would consider to be the top five biggest album releases of this past year. The first one is a very recent release. I believe it was came out less than two weeks ago at the time we were recording this. And it's kind of what inspired this whole idea. That album is SOS by SZA. She, the album release for this was different than most. It was announced very close to when it was actually released, which most artists don't do. A lot of artists want to have a long period of time between that to help gain popularity, release singles and all of this. But she did not do that with SOS. and. It, I don't know if that's why, but it being like coming out so soon after it was announced, I feel really helped gain hype and popularity. And people were like claiming what songs they think would be their favorites on Twitter and stuff. It was, it was a lot. Like a lot of people were talking about it. And I think it really helps that she released her deluxe version of the 2017 album Control in June, which helped get some new fans who were then excited for the release of SOS this past month in December. Now, Coming in at fourth place, we have Special by Lizzo. And I'm going to be completely honest, I I haven't listened to this album yet, and I really don't have any excuses because it came out in July, and I did really enjoy all of the previous stuff she's done. Both of her previous albums I thought were good, and I do like her as a person. I just I haven't listened to this album yet. That being said, I know a lot of people who were really looking forward to it. I mean, back when I was at my old job, her... Um, single about that time would play like at least twice a shift at work and I would hear it like all the time on the radio and on TikTok so it really helped get hype and excitement for this album. Now my third place album 
I have some controversial opinions about. And by that, I mean, I really don't have many opinions. And that album is Harry's House by Harry Styles. I don't really have many opinions of this album because I haven't listened to it. And nothing against Harry Styles. I just, I never really got into his music. I've heard As It Was on the radio, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good song. I just, I never really got into him. But for months, this seemed to be all people would talk about. It was like such a big album release, I feel. It came out in May, and it was like all people were talking about. Um, and he released the single As It Was while another song of his, Watermelon Sugar, was very popular, which kind of helped get that popularity for this song also. The album that I put in second place is another fairly recent release, and that album is Midnight's by Taylor Swift. Now, I really like Taylor Swift, and if there's one thing she's good at, it is building anticipation around an album. She didn't release any singles before the album came out, which most artists do, as it'll help kind of gain popularity and get songs from the album on the radio, especially before the album's released. But she didn't do that, and I I thought that was a really good idea, actually, especially with the concept of the album. It really kind of gained that popularity and got people wondering, what is Midnight's? Especially after um, her re-releases of Fearless and Red, people were just really excited to hear her new original music, and I feel like that worked in her favor. I mean, I know personally I and some of my friends had a Midnight's at Midnight listening party where we would all waited up to hear the album, and I thought it was really good. Now, before I get to my most highly anticipated album of the year, I do have a few honorable mentions, and these albums, they all got somewhat big, like, they had a decent amount of hype around them in smaller groups, though. Like, none of them got as mainstream of hype as these other ones, and these albums are The Car by Arctic Monkeys, Being Funny in a Foreign Language by the 1975, Five Seconds Flat by Lizzie McAlpine, and American Teenager by Ethel Kane. Like I said, these albums did have a decent amount of hype in their smaller groups, but they just people weren't talking about them as much as some of the other albums on this list, especially not as much as our number one album. Which, speaking of number ones, it's time for what I would consider to be the most anticipated album of 2022. And that has to be none other than Renaissance by Miss Beyonce herself. I mean, come on, guys. People have been wanting this album for years. Like, she hasn't released a real album since Lemonade in 2016, she, she worked on the live-action Lion King, and she released some live performances of older songs, but this was the first real Beyoncé album in a while, and people were very, very excited for it. We talked about this in a previous episode of Entertainment Rebooted, and I feel like we all kind of share the beliefs that Beyoncé did an amazing job with this album. Well, that's what I consider to be my top albums of 2022. Now, there are a few just two albums right now that I wanted to kind of not give a shout out to, but mention that I'm really looking forward to in 2023. And those albums are This Is Why by Paramore. They released two singles this year. The title track, This Is Why, was released in September. And then the second one, The News, was released this month, actually on the day of my chemistry final, December 6th. <laughs> and the album is set to come out in February, which I'm really looking forward to. And Lana Del Rey also released another, a new single, which is called, it's a long name, it's Did You Know That There's a Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard? And I used to be a really big fan of Lana Del Rey, and I kind of stopped listening to her a little bit, no reason in particular, just didn't really. But then when this single came out, I decided to give it a try, and I thought it was really good, and I'm actually really looking forward to hearing what she does with this. 
So those are kind of what I'm looking forward to next year and what I thought people were really excited about this year. I love to hear your guys' opinions. If you want to tweet at WZIP, I'll read through them. But if not, that's fine too. Thank you so much, Elliot. I'm actually really looking forward to hearing some of those albums too. Now let's shift over to our next segment of Entertainment Rebooted. I'm sitting down with Logan Buchanan and Haral Fashke. And we are going to be talking about our favorite childhood movies. Logan, why don't you get us started? Yeah, I mean, when I, when you first proposed this like segment idea, I had a lot of different movies run through my head, a lot of different memories of just sitting down. But I had to bring up this one in particular first, and that's Finding Nemo. And that is because not only have I watched it so much growing up that my mom and my uncles can word for word quote the main menu screen. <laughs> <laughs> but at one point, my mom walked in on my uncle who was supposed to be watching me dead asleep while I was laying on top of him watching Finding Nemo. If that's not dedication to a movie, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I just love the movie. I love the little character moments it has, the songs, the themes. I just think it's an overall, it's it's probably my favorite Pixar movie, honestly. Interesting. That's nice. a pretty good choice. Pretty good yeah, choice. Finding Nemo, just like kind of the goat. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else to say about that? No, I mean... What, what is there to say about perfection? Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I actually think okay. one of my movies is perfect. Oh. But we'll get to that later. Okay. I know one of mine is perfect, but. Let's hear about it. All right. My first movie is going to have to be Beauty and the Beast. <sighs> like, taking it back, you know, a classic. My all-time favorite, not just childhood movie, but movie in general, like, throughout my entire life. It's just been a favorite. Anytime anybody, like, sees anything Beauty and the Beast related, like, outside or like on the internet they always like bring me up like that is me like when people think of me they think or when people see beauty and the beast <laughs> they think of me <laughs> but i mean i, I guess that. vice versa too like that is my movie it is everything that is what real perfection okay, looks like okay. you, know? you know it is a great pick that beauty and the beast was one of those movies and i was like it is amazing like i feel bad for not mentioning it but i just don't have like a personal connection to it like i do with the rest of the movies on my list I guess that makes sense yeah but beauty I mean, and the beast is i can't it's discredit there. it i mean the songs hits hit after hit hit after hit <laughs> after sure. hit absolutely yeah it is a great movie i'm glad you guys agree I don't know if it's perfection, Whoa. but Whoa. I, I mean, apples to oranges over here. <laughs> it is you know? a very different movie. Yeah. But I have to say, in Beauty and the Beast, when I was younger, I was always obsessed with the dresses. There, okay. she was styling. She was. If I could just dress like her in day-to-day -day life, I would. Yeah. I really genuinely would. I think she she probably has the best I want song out of any Disney character with Belle. Yeah. Like where she's oh, yeah. like in the field and she gets away from the French town. So it's just her own little uh, like soliloquy type moment. Like definitely probably the best out of Disney's catalog. Yeah. Yeah. I have to agree with you. <laughs> I, and I feel like they tried they tried the, their best to make her seem smart. You know, mm -hmm. uh -huh. she wasn't like. Maybe your average ditzy Disney princess. She was well read. Hey, don't 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 hate on Aurora Sleeping Beauty. Okay, hey, I'm I'm not She's trying not ditzy. to. But I think it was kind of in response to probably some backlash yeah. they got, where it was like well, these women don't really seem that they're kind of flat. They're kind of flat characters. I, I think you can say the same thing about um, the Beast too, because most of the princes in the old Disney movies are just kind of 
I'm here yeah. to save the princess right. and marry you. Whereas That's the a, Beast was a very in character. Beauty and the Beast, it's actually Belle that saves the Beast. Yeah. Really, like right. it's the For other real. way around. And he had trauma. We we love trauma. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely. I think. I don't know what order all the Disney princess movies came out in, but I think it was probably one of the first that had a really well fleshed out two main characters. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't I, know if Mulan came out before No, that Mulan one, came out after. after. Okay. Yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. Beauty and the Beast might be the first one. Yeah, I think The Little Mermaid was the first strong princess, but Beauty and the Beast had the best characters, like the strongest characters. Definitely. Gotcha. All right, so for... My one of my films, um, I had Wallace and Gromit, A Matter of Loaf and Death. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with that? I actually have not seen so, that okay. one. I don't okay. know if it's that movie, but Wallace and Gromit, those those hit like they're, the stop they're motion. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. So it's British stop motion. It's about the lovable duo Wallace and his dog Gromit <laughs> opening a bakery together in a town where bakers are mysteriously dying. Oh, oh I forgot they were like a Sherlock Holmes type of deal, weren't they? Like <laughs> In this one, they definitely are. Okay. I think the humor is top notch. The stop motion is really impressive. I think a lot of times stop motion ends up looking really creepy. But and, and that's not always great for kids. Mm. But for me, I thought that stop motion really enhanced the show and made it kind of it, it enhanced the humor. It added a lot to it as opposed to me feeling like, oh, that character looks really creepy. I don't want to watch this. Yeah. So. Whenever, whenever I hear or even like I see Wallace and Gromit, I'm like, oh, Wallace and Gromit. Like it gets a little <laughs> warm feeling in my soul. Like a little it just feels like you're sitting at a little fireplace watching Wallace and Gromit <laughs> whenever you just see him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have and to check it out. Yeah, it's you a good definitely. one. I think I think I enjoyed it the most probably when I was younger, but I think any listener could probably get a good amount out of it. Mm -hmm. So and if especially if you're a parent with kids and you don't want to maybe you're sick of watching like whatever garbage your kids are into, you know, <laughs> you throw on Wallace and Grove on a matter of loaf and death. It's it's pretty good. Pretty good. I think what I really hate is children's movies nowadays are so much better than the majority of children's movies when we were growing up. Like the just the overall respecting kids as people, not just oh, flashy yeah, colors sure. and goofy songs like baby sensory videos we Yeah. <laughs> like I wish I had Inside Out while I was growing up. Yes. But, I love that movie. Yeah, but like I feel like not that children's movies tackle more themes nowadays mm -hmm. that are really important. Like um Turning Red, Soul, Inside Out, like I mentioned. All those movies have really deep themes that kids can understand. Encanto. Yeah. Oh, you my. Know. God, I forget Encanto. Dude. <laughs> Encanto's it's been a year one. and it's still on my playlist. Like, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's the great thing about childhood movies, though, is that, like, even though, like, they're rooted to each person's childhood and, like, they come out, like, in your childhood, mm -hmm. even when you grow up, like, you can still connect to your own and you can also connect to, like, newer ones. Like, For sure. Like for us, for example, like Encanto is very recent, but like we can still like connect mm -hmm. to it and like relate to it and enjoy it. Back yeah. to the trauma. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, Logan, you have another movie you want to I do, us? I do. So I'm going to go off of Hara's Beauty and the Beast because my go. favorite, one of my favorite things about this movie were the trailers leading up to it. Okay. And it was Lilo and Stitch. And oh, I remember yes. that 
Stitch was running around the ballroom roof and the chandelier fell. I just really liked that moment. But Lilo mm-hmm. and Stitch has a really special place in my heart. Um, it was a movie I watched over and over again and I can still throw on and I still enjoy it. I enjoy the connection that Nani and Lilo have. You know, they only have each other, the sisterhood and that um, Stitch's growth throughout the whole movie. I think even though he is a genetically created thing, I was going to say person, but thing uh, you can still relate to, which is really impressive. And I think that's the biggest part about childhood movies is relatability and the fact that I can still go back to it today and watch it. Mm-hmm. And also my dog has a little stitch plus plushie that she plays with. So how could I not so mention cute. it? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course. That one, that one is a good one. Did you ever watch the the show they put out? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love the show. Oh, and, I thought and the show added to it a lot. 4 a.m. for me. Like literally I would be awake at 4 a.m. Yeah. watching Lilo and Stitch. I would watch, um, there was this, there was this really dumb Disney show of, uh, their parents were spies and it would play right after Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> um, but also, I even think that the other movies that came after it were decent, which is really surprising for childhood movies because whenever mm-hmm. they make sequels, it's like, bad. Eh, why why they make that? Yeah. But, I don't know. I mean, we can't say that about Frozen, though, because Frozen 2 was immaculate. That's not one of my movies, but... <laughs> it's a good honorable mention. It it's a good honorable mention. Yeah, yeah. It's great. <laughs> but speaking of my other movies, um, my second one is going to have to be Hachi. A Dog's Tale, and it's about um, a college professor who's um, who runs into this dog that's been abandoned in a train station, and at first, his wife doesn't want that dog there, so in the beginning, like, the dog just waits for this professor at the train station day in, day out, and then finally, like... Um, the professor is able to win his wife over and they're able to take in the dog and take care of it. And um, the breed of the dog is one that's not typically um, able to like fetch or like do like um, pet dog things, I guess. But yeah. pet um, dog things. <laughs> <laughs> but they're able to like the professor and the dog are able to get that bond and like create it and like he's able to train him to do all these things and like they have that special bond but then it gets really sad and i don't know i don't know if i should spoil it i've never but... even heard of this movie okay like, I, I haven't okay. either no. then no spoilers okay. but okay. <laughs> it's you should definitely watch it it's really great really heartfelt and emotional mm. i mean it's a dog movie like you cannot go wrong with dog you really movies. can't <laughs> that's that's yeah. also why i like lilo and stitch because he's just essentially a dog right like, <laughs> like okay like doing pet, pet dog movie. things <laughs> <laughs> yeah like pet movies i guess like you can never go wrong with them but it's really it's emotional and sweet definitely check it out hachi a dog's tale mm. I'll have to add that to my list. Yes. All right. My next movie is The Road to El Dorado. Oh, oh. it's so underrated. <laughs> underrated, underrated for sure. Oh, yeah. This movie came out in the year 2000. It is about two swin- swindlers who oh. follow a map that leads to a fabled city of gold where, they're, where they are mistaken for gods and must look after their new home. So I I really enjoyed this movie, but it's one of those movies. It came out in 2000, mm. which is 23 years ago now. Oh. Yeah. So I discovered it's it. It's as old as me. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's older than me. So I discovered it later. And I think I enjoyed it the most 
when I was probably 10 to 12, mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. in that tween age. But I think any any person could enjoy it. You know, I think adults could even enjoy it too. And then any children could enjoy it. I thought the I think the visuals really hold up, especially considering it was made 23 years ago. Yeah. So animation <laughs> has come a long way from there. I still find the visuals to be like fun and interesting looking, which I think is really cool for that kind of movie. But yeah, it's something I look back on that I really enjoy. So I recommend it to people that haven't seen it before. And if you have kids, there you go. For sure. That's that's Definitely. I I completely forgot about that movie. Honestly, it's, it's such a good one. Just yeah. hearing the title is like opens a floodgate. Yeah. Like that movie is too good. For for real. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was trying to unbury some <laughs> movies because you know, I like Disney and I like it, but I feel like with Disney Plus mm -hmm. and you you just see those movies more, you're reminded of those movies more. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to dig deep, try and think. Me too. Stuff. That's For what real. I was yeah. doing too. Yeah. But I had to bring up Beauty and the Beast, you of know. Course, like, of course. Of course. It's yeah. I mean, classic. <laughs> that movie is me. <laughs> so I originally had a different movie as my last one, mm. and I'm going to put it as an honorable mention because the era that you brought up with El Dorado kind of reminded me of a different movie. Uh, but my honorable mention is now Kung Fu Panda. I just yes. I'm a huge combat sport fan. So to see actual martial arts showcased with a really good story, really good jokes, Jack Black, legend, mm -hmm. Jackie Chan, legend. Angelina Jolie, legend, legend. like <laughs> you can go on and that on with that. That is a star-studded cast oh, yeah. for an animated kids movie. Oh yeah, but yeah, and, and the sequels were just phenomenal. I mean, looking I saw back them on in it, theaters. Yeah, good. yeah. Um, but I have to put this one above it just because of the amount of times I've rewatched it. Like, not even it, but one scene in particular, and you'll know exactly what scene. Shrek two. <laughs> that yep. ending, yep. run to the castle, is so culturally embedded in my brain yeah it is insane but the entire movie is like that for me because i love every bit of it from their journey to far far away and donkey saying are we there yet are we there yet um and then shrek's whole journey to realize that he's good enough like kind of hits a little bit home like yeah, <laughs> yeah. once again we're just hitting all the trauma in the childhood movies yeah but i mean I, it can't be a childhood movie if it's not got trauma can't be a childhood movie if it doesn't have trauma or pet dog things right exactly um, <laughs> which i mean hachi has trauma in it too so the, I've it's, got both. it's gotta have it yeah um but i think i love kung fu panda and i love i love like all of i love a lot of dreamworks i mean movies that i didn't even mention how to train your dragon uh, over the Hedge, Madagascar, like those are just great movies. But Shrek Two, I feel like, is just a step above all of them. Shrek Two's built different. It is. I'm not it gonna is lie built. to you. Okay, I've seen Shrek. Okay, you, I've you, seen you, Shrek you scared movies. me. You scared me. I have seen them, but I think I've only seen them once <sighs> you're doing in my life. So it's like I don't really like know all the details. Uh, I feel like when it comes to Shrek, you're either a diehard fan. Oh yeah. Or mm -hmm. like I you're could, me. <laughs> I could sit here for the next hour. And say every little detail that happened <laughs> is how many times I've seen that movie. That's me with Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, see? see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are good movies. I need to rewatch them yes, for sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Besides definitely. the third one. The third one didn't happen. It's just one, two, four. Talk about one, that. two, four. One, two, and four? Yeah. Okay. That's all you need I'll to. keep that in mind. They don't even mention the third one and the fourth one. There's a fifth one that's supposed to be coming out. Yeah, it got... it. Uh, 
I don't know, something got teased in the new Puss in Boots, but it is very recent, so I don't want to fully give it away. I do want to watch Puss in Boots. I saw the okay. trailer for it, and uh, now f- I think I'll be reviewing that, Oh, which is why I want to do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. A little, little tease, a little, little tease. <laughs> a little tease. Okay. Okay. All right. My last movie is Hoot. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's based off of a book with the same title, and... um. It's about these three kids who um, find, like, a, an area in the woods that have, like, a bunch of owls. And they're, like, taking care of the owls pretty much. And they get close to the owls and all that. But then, um, you know, big corporations, business folks, <laughs> they want to tear the land down and build a restaurant or something in that area. And the kids are like, no way that's happening. Like, we have to save the owls. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much the premise of the movie and it's just it's really sweet and cute like it's a fun movie and yeah hashtag save the owls hashtag save the owls no more save save ferris save the owls (laughs) definitely (laughs) and i'm like i'm not even a bird person but like i feel like this movie is just so like embedded in my childhood i haven't even seen it that much but it's like it's always there you know like Mm -hmm. if you like think about your childhood movies and like all like you think about like the ones that like hit close to home but then there's also the ones that like you know you can always fall mm-hmm. back on and that's mm-hmm. one of those for me and like i just love it now, and the book is really now good you said too. you're not a bird person but are you a pet bird person no okay absolutely okay. Not. Just, just, just wondering pet bird things no <laughs> fair fair i'm a cat person so. understandable understandable yeah. yeah i hear that all right so my last movie is 2001 shrek the original that was in 2001 yes oh sir. wow i thought it was in yeah. 2000 huh i got yeah, two yeah, shrek crazy. lovers over here oh hey. yeah i'll knock until you try it like <laughs> you'll get addicted real quick yeah i love this movie i always have loved this movie it is older than i am so i don't know how i just got hooked on it at a young age and i have just loved it ever since i still enjoy it and i've seen it a million times at least i mean I'm a big Shrek fan. So now, now why why does the first one go above the rest for you? Because like um, the second one goes above the rest for me. I I understand why the second one goes above the rest, but for me, I think it's partially the nostalgia okay. of I always I mean, I always grew up watching Shrek. Yeah. Shrek was like my go to. I don't think I owned Shrek 2 on DVD, you know? No. So, so I just, you know, I had Shrek 1. Oh, there was such a cool I forgot to even mention it at the end of Shrek 2, there was a far, far away idol in- yeah, instead of I've American Idol, and you were able to like pick your singers, and there were characters. Oh, that's like, oh, cool. It was a DVD spot. Oh, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> but I just, and I feel like the theme, I, I, I totally understand the theme of Shrek 2, mm-hmm. but I think the theme of Shrek 1 kind of hit more with me. Okay. Just like you shouldn't have to hide the parts of yourself that you're embarrassed of, the mm-hmm. people around you should just love them anyway. I thought it was there was something really sweet about that. And I grew up, you know, I was a young lady, mm-hmm. so I I was watching the princess movies, and Shrek kind of stood out because like the girl got to just be an ogre, you know, yeah. Fiona mm-hmm. got to be an ogre. She didn't have to be like pretty or like societally pretty. You know? Yeah. yeah. So I thought I just thought it stuck out in that way, but I'm sure everyone listening has probably seen Shrek at least once. At least, <laughs> at least once. Those. If you haven't, like that was a staple in school movies. Like it was either you were watching Elf or Shrek. Like I I did watch 
elf a lot. So yeah. I wish there was more Shrek. There, there was a lot of Shrek in my elementary. I Lucky. can't say mine had either of those. They, they had Hoot and... Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually. I think Hoot. I might have watched Hoot in school because of the books. I need books. to look these up. It's I've never good. heard of them. Yeah. Honorable I also mention. I just don't read books, so... I have another honorable mention. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Because of Winn-Dixie. Oh, love that. Yeah, yes. That is like, oh, man. I, I just said I it. don't read books, but that is one of my favorite books that I read. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's so good. We read it in school, and then we watched the movie, of course. Oh, Definitely top tier. I haven't heard tier. that since middle school. Like, that just I awoken swear. something in me. <laughs> Too good. Man. Another dog movie. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Another one of those pet dog Pet films. dog things. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, I think that's all of our movies, but I did yeah. want to say, going off of what I said about Shrek... I will be reviewing the new Puss in Boots movie, Ooh. which is, if you didn't know, it is a Shrek spinoff. Which which he made his debut in Shrek 2. So yes. just, just saying, he just did. saying, <laughs> just saying. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'll let you guys know how it goes. Awesome. Hello and welcome to this week's Worth a Watch. Like I said, today I'm going to be reviewing the new Puss in Boots movie called Puss in Boots The Last Wish. This movie clocked in at an hour and 40 minutes. It's rated PG, and it came out right at the end of last year, 2022. Let's talk about it. This movie follows the character Puss in Boots as he realizes that he has reached the last of his nine lives. As you heard from before, I am a huge Shrek fan, so I already was pretty excited going into this movie as Puss in Boots is a spinoff character from the movie Shrek, and I have to say I was not disappointed. I found the animation in this movie to be very charming and pretty. I think the characters in this movie were interesting, and I think the humor could have been better but for a kid's movie, as a 19-year-old watching it, I found some of the jokes pretty funny. I don't think this movie needed to be an hour and 40 minutes long. I think they definitely could have shortened it up, especially considering it is aimed at kids. But all in all, I think it was a pretty good movie. I have to say one of the things that really stuck with me was the villain of this movie was actually pretty creepy. I found myself a little creeped out at times from him. So I would recommend steering your very young children away because I could see them getting scared, maybe some nightmares over it. But older children to tweens, I think, would really enjoy this movie. So is this movie worth the watch? Well, it's not a cinematic masterpiece, but it was a fun movie. So yes, I would say it's worth the watch. Thank you for listening to this edition of Entertainment Rebooted. We are on the radio every Sunday at 1 on 88.1. And you can check out our podcast at Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music and Audible, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Player FM, The Podcast Index, Podchaser, and Listen Notes under the name Entertainment Rebooted. Thanks for listening.